Chicago, we'll say with our chest that of all the sports, soccer is the best. We're talking fire, the Red Stars, Premier League to boot. With Brady, Dave, and Herman, you might learn a thing or two, cause we're the Windy City. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and a trip around the globe for a soccer update from all across the world. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined, as always, by Brady Olson and Dave Kolichkowski. Boys, how we doing? Pretty good. Doing okay. Doing okay. Good, good. And... Uh, as always, Ian is working behind the boards, running things, making us sound better and more intelligent than we really are. Thank you very much, Ian, for everything that you do for us. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. Football. Soccer. Chicago. Yeah. New York. The Red Bulls, which I still think is the coolest branding for a team you're sponsored by the red bulls you are the red bulls and you're in new york i, I like rather, the jerseys it's their style in your face and you are energy <laughs> yeah the subtlety <laughs> no there is none <laughs> yep um so fire played the red bulls this past weekend uh did not come away with the victory, unfortunately, lost 2-0. Um, however, uh, I, I, I watched this game with Brady, um, and right away you mentioned the lineup um, that they had set up, and you were a big fan of that. Yes, I thought this one was really strong uh, When before the game started. Uh, I saw that Majan had been pushed higher up field uh, because Pineda got his first start of the season at holding mid. So... I, it looked like a good way to get all of our best players on the field at the same time. And so I was very optimistic going into this game. Yeah, I was as well. Like I was pretty hyped to see Pineda out there since we didn't see him at all the first two games, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, you know, like one of my big takeaways though, was that the fire were just very physical with uh, the New York Red Bulls. Like I saw Barlow on the ground, like ton. I was really enjoying it. He got like checked, like at some point at midfield too. It was pretty entertaining to watch. So it was, the they came I, out there. The thing I'd point out there is he only had one foul suffered. So one foul that was like against him specifically, but he won five aerial duels. So we maybe needed to hit him harder. Yeah, Sorry, apparently <laughs> we hit him pretty hard too. That's crazy. <laughs> They need, we needed to hit them as hard as Barrich got hit 
Mm-hmm. He got beat up in that like first half hour and finally got the foul call on the third time that I personally should have thought. I just every every time the camera showed Barrich, it was him getting bowled over. The joys of being a striker. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, especially somebody who holds the ground like Barish does. He's going to get beat up a lot. So uh, I thought like overall the fire had some fantastic team moves, but they just were never able to finish them. It was, it was just a disappointment. It was messy overall, not Lionel messy. M E S S Y really, really, really messy. Um, segments of the game where neither team could hold on to the ball for more than five seconds or less at some points where, uh, the fire have it, dribble it for a second, up you get tackled and turn over to the other team, or they would just lose it or it was bad passes. So overall, it was not um, it, frustrating to watch for parts of it. Not a lot of runs going on. Yeah, absolutely. And this is down to the Red Bull press, the way the whole Red Bull organization, all of their different soccer teams that they have ownership over, they all play in a similar way where it's all about high octane, high energy, pressing and so this game is all about that and it basically went more their style as the game went on which is exactly what they're going for anyway Uh, normally I'd like to talk about shapes and formations here but it's not really relevant to how New York Red Bulls play their game is not really passing but it's to move the ball into places where they might win a 50-50 duel and it puts your team at a disadvantage and they want those duels to be in your half and they just expect to win the majority of the duels. So in this game, it was 166 balls won for New York to Chicago's 161, which isn't as crazy a gap as you'd expect. But if you look at sort of a heat map of where those duels were won and how the goals happened in this game it's down to where they win their duels and they have won the majority of them so that is how this game gets turned around against the fire here so let's get into it yeah so just time stamping a few things here i want to start off in the 34th minute calvo goes up for a bicycle kick from outside the box like right outside the 18 it it was crazy i thought i was was like what are you doing (laughs) Love it. From a center back too, no less. He got it on target. <laughs> He's got that energy, so why not? Uh, 37th minute, Fabio Roberto Gomez Neto of the New York Red Bulls. Oh, uh, Yeah, hits one off the posts, um, and the fire kind of scurried to clear it out. Like, really should have been a goal at that point, and we would have been in the hole early. Yeah, the pass comes from the left side that gets to Barlow. And it goes all the way past four fire players very easily, which is very much a concern for me. And then Calvo gets faked out by nothing. Like Barlow doesn't really do anything. I think he kind of shimmies his hips. Uh, (laughs) And then when he slides to then block the ball, he misses it anyway. And it just was sort of like flashy, showy defending with no results, which is slightly concerning from your center back. Yep. Calvo story just keeps on growing. <laughs> uh, 40th minute, Barlow pulls uh, one right of the goal. Uh, I, I thought he should have actually had it on target. He created a lot of space for himself. Mm-hmm. And this one's actually very clever from Barlow. So he's the one that puts the initial pressure on Shuttleworth, who then just duds one out to the midfield. That's really easily won by New York. And then... 
because he was behind the defense already from that pressure, he just moved to the left side of the box behind Kapelhoff, who never saw him, never really looked for him. And then Sekulich is just not even paying attention. And so then he's onside. None of the fire defenders are aware of him. And it's an it's example of him being smart and also an example of the fire defenders falling asleep in transition-style moments, which is too often happening in this season. Yes. And in the second half, early in the second half, it uh, came back to bite them. Real bad defense as Casares. Hear that pronunciation? Wow. Failed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. This guy (laughs) does his research. In the 47th minute, Casares for the Red Bulls puts one in to put New York up one to nothing. Yeah, absolutely atrocious defense here. Uh, long ball to Fabio on the right. Kapiloff doesn't clean it up on his first attempt. Yeah, it was not good. And then uh, Fabio carries it into the box. And Kapiloff just deal with this one. He gets even the first touch here and just simply just deal with it. From a do, your yeah, do your yeah, job. Yeah, do your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so at, at that time, Caceres is trailing the play and is wide uh, open Dave, at the top of the box. It's Casares. Casares. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't do as well of a job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take it from the top. Casares trails the play and, <laughs> and is wide open at the top of the box. Uh, easy pass for Fabio here. Uh, solid finish from Casares. Uh, so something strange that I noticed with this though, uh, in my opinion, like the fire had a lot of bodies at the six yard box, um, three players follow, uh, like Barlow making it, it making a run near the, the posts, um, which I thought was unnecessary and, uh, Clark slips and falls like near the post as well. Yeah, there's several fire defenders who are all making really strange decisions. I think Jimenez, unfortunately, is chief among these. Uh, And also in the two chances for the Red Bulls that we already talked about, I'm not happy with his positioning in any of them. And here he drops all the way back into the six, reacting to one run when really he couldn't control the rest of the box because there's already three or four fire defenders back in the six yard box. So I don't even understand his decision-making there except for just panic because the ball is behind the defense already. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I kind of noticed too is Pineda was behind the play and he never follows Caceres into the box either. Like he was the guy that should have been there. And then, um, just having had prior conversations with you guys about Chicago fire soccer, like Bornstein never catches up to the play either. Like mm-hmm. he having him come in even late might've been helpful, but he just kind of shows up on screen last second. And I was disappointed to see that. So, well, he does He's got the no worthy, legs. Yeah. He does the worthy, <laughs> like, Oh, I'm so upset, but I mean, yeah. get there guys now yeah. to defend both of them a little bit. This is sort of by Red Bull design, uh, 
it's a kind of planned counterattack. It's the, we're going to win a 50-50 and you're going to lose one in a critical spot. So, I mean, this play starts in the Red Bull half. The Fire have a really legitimate shot to win this 50-50. There's a ton of Fire players surrounding the ball. And then somehow the Red Bulls get it and just huck it downfield and win a 50-50. So that's, it's where the goal comes from. It's their whole plan. And just the Fire can't get beat that easily in this situation. Otherwise, he gets scored on. Sad day. Sad day. Good breakdown, though, boys. Nice notes. In the 61st minute, uh, we had Collier come in. And Brad, very happy to see him. Well, I'm happy to see one of our injured players return. And also, he's a gazelle. He's our resident gazelle. It's good to see him. (laughs) He's our guy. Prancing around on the field. However, the gazelle was not enough to stop a second uh, Red Bull goal coming in at the 64th minute from Clark. And again, defense on the fire is really to blame here. Yeah, I I would characterize this as lazy defense by the fire, Uh, specifically Bornstein. You can't wait for the ball to come to you that close to the box right at the 18. Um, This allows the goal to take form just because the player comes from behind and attacks him. So Davis chips it into the box. Fabio uh, receives it with his back to the goal, heads it like backwards towards Clark, who does kind of a scissor-ish kick. Or at least you could call it a volley. Uh, And he strikes it beautifully into the back of the net, but it should just never have happened. (laughs) Right. Just like the first goal. (laughs) Yeah. Just bad turnover, unnecessary turnover, a hungrier Red Bulls team, uh, and a fun finish from a 17 year old. So don't look now. Guys, don't. Uh, But he's really good. Uh, And he. He sat right between Jimenez and Pineda in that play and is still the first one to react to the get the goal. So it's not good. Not good. Uh, real quick, there was like a moment of hope in the 68th minute. Barrett uh, does a, his classic turn and shoot move, but unfortunately he did not get it clean off. So it just wasn't a, it wasn't a good shot, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and it, we needed one of those to go in. Uh, The next thing of note that I noticed was the substitution from the fire in the 69th minute, which was essentially a line change. We basically replaced three midfielders with three other midfielders. Uh, These are the first minutes of the season for Gutierrez. Uh, 04 comes on, and then Espinoza also came on. And it's just weird as a soccer fan uh, to see all three subs happen at once because that would not happen pre pandemic. We, the MLS has five subs, in fact, seven subs, even with concussions. So we're going to see more of this in this season. I'm curious to see if it will go away uh, or if soccer will keep the five subs. Um, But against a young Red Bull side that was flying around so fast, we might've even wanted this change sooner. So I, I don't really know. I don't have anything more to add, but I just thought that was really interesting. It's like, finally, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the 77th minute, Espinoza, um, who had come on, like, he finally had like a a chance to show himself and he makes a very smooth move on the left side of the field, dribbles it into the box uh, and puts a shot on goal. So like, I'm trying to pull it like positive moments here. Um, And he just put it too close to the keeper. It was a low strike. It just wasn't far enough away from him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just between then and 
in the end, uh, the New York Red Bulls could have scored at least three or four more times and were lucky to come away only 2-0. So. I appreciate the positivity, Dave. I think we need it. Uh, it's, not it been, <laughs> it's not been a good start to the season for the fire, unfortunately. Or I should say they've been competitive. They've been playing pretty well in the first half of most games we haven't come away with the results what we need but at least what i'm seeing uh is they come out they're playing fast playing physical uh they look pretty good overall they have a key op- opportunities they don't always execute um but they don't look like a bad team and then then the second half is when they seem to uh, kind of fall flat. It's not necessarily when all the goals are scored against them, but they just don't look um, that good uh, in the second half. So my thought is, is um, Wiki is doing a good job at prepping them initially for these matches. However, in the second half, is he not adjusting as quickly as the other coaches? Uh, is the team overall just not, you know, conditioned well enough? Uh, they look a little slow in the second half. Um, what, uh, what is your evaluation of that, Brad? One thing I've noticed is the fire have used seven subs in three games, which is the absolute bottom of the league. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with injuries. So the fire have a ton of injuries right now and players are slowly coming back. So that might be all part of it. It's uh, sounds like a lot of excuses though, because, some of these goals that we've given up aren't down to conditioning. It's down to mental stuff. It's down to just shutting off for a second and then the ball's behind you. So I want to be positive. I liked the lineup. I love the attacking style that we're playing with, uh, but there definitely needs to be things that are fixed. And I think the second half is definitely a starting point. So it, it, it seems like, part of the issue then is depth. And if you have available players that aren't injured, that are talented, can come in and perform, then you don't need to go with the exact same uh, line lines, I should say, in the second half where you can bring in fresh legs because you know they're going to go out there and execute. Whereas right now, at least it seems like uh, we kind of have our starters. We have some guys that can come in and sub but we don't have a large group of those guys. Am I understanding that right? I absolutely agree with that. And I would just say too that um, it's pretty crucial for this lineup based on like what we've seen from the uh, the defense that you have to score early with them. It, it, if we don't score early, it, it can get really scary real quick. And the only problem is when we score early, you know, after you score a goal, sometimes you're the most vulnerable because you're excited and you switch things up and you think maybe you could, you know, it's a mental thing. Like maybe you're not as focused. So that's the other kryptonite that we have to kind of deal with too. So we have to manage both of those things to become a more elite team. Gotcha. All right. Um, so as I mentioned, this is not the start to the season that the fire wanted, um, two losses, one draw, uh, However, it's a decently long season. Based on what you've seen so far, is it too early to start panicking? How worried, uh, scale one to ten, are we right now? Uh, 
I'm just going to be, I'm trying to be like optimistic about it. I don't want to panic. So I'm going to just say a three for now, like out of 10. Mm. Like I just, I don't, Seems I don't want to do that to myself yet. You know, <laughs> like I think that there is hope. I think Kavloff being back, we got to figure out where he belongs. Like maybe, you know, as we had conversed like off pod, like we've talked about maybe Kapiloff is the defensive holding midfielder instead of, you know, Pineda. And they mm. flip flop there because he's just the veteran. He just hasn't looked very good. And Pineda has been playing all summer. Like maybe that's an option. Um, we, we just got to hope that the, the defensive project works at some point and Wiki's vision like comes to light. And, you know, they have to keep on building on the offense as well. But, you know, we just have a lot of injured players right now, like Aliceta. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what it comes down to at this point a little bit is do you trust Wiki's vision? Yeah, and I think that's too early. That's it's still too early to figure that out. I think fair yeah, point. Uh, uh, as well as Aliceta, Navarro, Tehran, Herbers, Collier is just coming back. We don't expect Ivanov for months still. So there, there is quite a list, and they all happen to be in sort of similar positions. <laughs> so even as they had built depth, uh, as the fire had built depth, and thought, "Oh, we're good now," it it, it sucks when everyone in the same position gets hurt. So. Um, uh, one thing I will say is the fire are officially in the red. So there's, we've got a negative four goal differential. Our expected goal differential is negative 1.26, which means that we might be playing a, a bit unlucky, but that also just relates to exactly how the fire have been playing. We're creating chances, no problem, but we are letting up quite a few at the other end. Uh, our 77.89% passing percentage is bottom fourth of the league. And that's something that we should be very good at under wiki. So that's concerning. However, we just played the red bulls. It's a very different game plan than any other game plan you'll play against really. So maybe that just weighs into that. Uh, some of my last kind of worries Jimenez defensively, he might be trying to do too much. I'm not sure. I know that he is very good offensively and I've seen him do wonderful things defensively in the midfield, but it looks like he's looking around over his shoulder, expecting people to be places where they aren't. So that's not good, but moving on to good things because let's be positive. Espinosa looks good. He came on, he replaced Bornstein. And I think that's a like for like, just switch that up now. Like I thought he was great. He might be. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I he agree. might be fit. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> Um, and then I think uh, we it looked like we moved our line of confrontation back to half in this game. I don't know if that's a response strictly to Red Bulls or away from home, uh, but I kind of liked it. It kept our lines a little bit closer together and we weren't just getting beat over the top consistently. Now we still did get beat with a 50-50, but we'll see if we keep using it. Yeah, uh, I agree with Espinosa replacing Bornstein. I have rarely heard Bornstein's name said in a good context this season. <laughs> it's usually, ooh, Bornstein on the, nope, that didn't work at all. Uh, and then I should have mentioned it when Dave talked about 
Calvo's bicycle kick. To me, Calvo seems to be a guy who does something crazy like that, yet can't do the basics of his position. And he's kind of driving me nuts. And I'm not sure if that's just the games <laughs> that I've watched, but I was like, that was awesome. However, can you please stick to your man because he is behind you right now? He's an ex-Minnesota player too. So that's doubly funny that you mentioned that <laughs> you just weren't watching. You weren't paying attention at that point. <laughs> no, I was to not. summarize the entire narrative of last year without <laughs> even knowing what the entire narrative of last year was. So fantastic. Good. Summer. I'm glad Yeah, <laughs> my instincts are on point and I'm very glad to hear that. All right. We're going to stay in Chicago, but we're moving over into the ladies of soccer. The Red Stars played Olympique Reign, uh, which I want to note for the viewers, uh, not the viewers, the listeners, actually. Uh, I did spell Olympique perfectly on the first try. Uh, I will credit that to my amazing spelling skills, which we touched on earlier. Third grade going strong, loving it. Also, it's French and uh, je parle français, so... Uh Bonjour. <laughs> Somebody save wow. us. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try. Uh, Mal Pugh is going to try and save us. She got her first goal for the Red Stars, which is good. Uh, Morgan Brian Gautreau also got her first on this preseason, if you will. Yeah, the Pugh goal is very, very nice. Um, the placement was fantastic and the cut into the middle of the box, like psyched out the defender. So she had tons of space and was able to have that inch perfect shot past the goalie's hand. So yeah. it, was, it was very nice. She's very good. Yeah. Very excited. I'm excited to watch. So it's going to be a good season. Uh, I'm a little surprised that the red stars gave up three goals. Uh, it doesn't seem like something that's going to consistently happen. I really like this team's defense. So hopefully this is just an, an anomaly in this kind of glorified friendly. Uh, we weren't really in the running to be in the final of this preseason tournament. So uh, I think next week we should do a deeper dive into the roster, kind of introduce the team to everybody because we've got regular season NWSL soccer coming up. So May 16th uh, is a Sunday. We open up the season versus Portland. That will be at 6 p.m. And we do things central time here because we're from Chicago. And then the following week, Saturday, is the home opener, May 22nd, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. What a great team name. That's a good rebrand. That Uh, really is. Yeah. They play 7 p.m. at home. That's at... uh, Bridgeview, Toyota. Oh, no. What do we call that? Is that Sea Geek still? Sea Geek? Sea Geek. Yeah, Sea Geek. Yeah. Sea <laughs> Geek. Uh, is NY Gotham FC's mascot Batman? I hope so. Because if it's not, if it's not, then you have not earned that name. You've not earned that Lego awesome Batman. Name, yes. And you are done. Lego Batman. If you can get Will Arnett to do your opening game chance as Lego Batman, game over. The other team should just shouldn't show up. That's it. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you could hear that, so we're going to do that again. Oh, f- did it again. Use take two. <laughs> All right. Game of the week uh, for this past weekend was the mighty mighty Minnesota loons 
versus Austin FC. Um, the game of the week is where we invite our listeners to watch a game along with us so that when we dive into it, you can understand what we're talking about. This is going to be a game typically outside of the Chicago Fire game because obviously we're touching base on that every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want you to watch along with us. Then when we dive in, you know what we're talking about. When Brady hits on all his crazy statistical points, you can go, oh, okay, I have a reference point for, oh, actually, the square root of <laughs> 35 is not uh, equivalent when the other half of the team is uh, playing in a standard deviation mix. I don't think I sound like that. <laughs> I, know, I, I was confused for a second. It was speaking. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, last week, uh, uh, anyway, Last week was Loons versus Austin FC. First things first, the logo for Austin FC is a tree. You know what poops on trees? Birds. You know what the loons are? Birds. The loons should have pooped all over this team, and they didn't. Regardless, Austin, get a new logo. It's stupid, and I don't like it. This all seems rather bitter. And results oriented. Just gonna anyway, say they're into I, it. All right, all right, like, all right. I like my rants <laughs> with a hefty dose of bitter right on top. It is the gravy of my ranting, and I don't like teams that beat my teams. And Austin FC did it with a stupid tree looking at me right in the eyes. And I just there's a lot of anger going into this. So. <sighs> Watching the highlights was not a lot of fun for me, but I know, Brad, you and your analytical brain had a lot of things to look at here. So give me the breakdown. What did my basic soccer mind not see that yours did? Sure. So that's your version of analysis. Here's mine. (laughs) (laughs) So Austin played a 4-3-3 and Minnesota played a different version of a four back with a 4-2-3-1. And what does that mean really conceptually? It means that Austin had two midfielders that kind of tucked in behind Minnesota's two sort of holding midfielders. And Austin played aggressively, had those two kind of stay there all game, and it really caused problems for Minnesota who want to solve problems with those two defensive midfielders, but they couldn't because they kept looking over their shoulder. Made for really nice passing options and really like sweet-looking triangles. Uh, between so when the outside backs pushed up they could play a triangle between the outside back the winger and those special number eight midfielders if you will or all three of the midfielders formed a really nice triangle or those two midfielders and the center forward so there's just nice passing options all over the field for this austin fc team yeah I I don't need to hear about how nice the Austin FC team is at passing. You don't? So, no, I really don't. Um, however, that did show up uh, fairly early on in the game. 17 minutes in, Fagundes puts the first goal in uh, for Austin FC. And uh, that would be it for all the goal scoring. But Brad, give me yeah, that breakdown, baby. This is a really sweet goal, actually, the way Austin built this. Um, it's all intentional movements, intentional passing. So at this point, Husson, who was switching between the number 10 on Austin and himself as the central striker, 
Uh, he was actually kind of playing winger at this moment. He came to receive the ball, which left the gap for, Gu- for Fagundes to overlap him, and that destroys all of Minnesota's defense. They just have no idea who to track. Is it Husin? Is it Fagundes? And they don't track anyone. Uh, Stroud makes an overlapping run. Perfect, perfect, inch perfect cross, and it's just a nice, easy tap-in for Fagundes, but all the work was done in the build-up, really. I did notice that watching that goal is it just looked like the Minnesota defense went, uh, Oh no, don't he? It was like, he does from? not compute what happened. Input error done. Yeah. It destroyed the Minnesota defense right there. So, uh, would not want to be a defensive player in that film session, which probably <laughs> has already happened. Cause woof, you got woofed and, uh, I will use the phrase that every Minnesotan will understand UFTA. Not good. (laughs) Not good at all. Um, However, the Loons did have their opportunities. 31st minute Reynosa smacks the post. It's right there. It was so close. And oh, what a goal that would have been. Yeah, he's really good. He was very much... He did not have space in this game because everyone who's going to play Minnesota knows that he's one of their best players. So they definitely are paying attention to him. This is just individual brilliance on his part. Yeah, the dribbling was fantastic. Some nutmegs, uh, and he even had a a quick touch from one of his uh, fellow players, and he was right there to receive it immediately, and then took a shot really quick. It was it would have been an absolutely beautiful goal, and he was just off. It was so close. However, what I thought when looking at it is if he would have had it a little, uh, if he would have been inside the post, I think the goalkeeper would have gotten a hand on it. So I don't, I don't know that it actually would have gone in. The goalkeeper would have told you the same. (laughs) They always do. (laughs) The goalkeeper plays for a team that has a tree as a logo. So I don't want to hear about that. Oh man. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so if you wanted to see one thing, uh, if you want to look back at this game at 3302, there is a very specific Minnesota giveaway that I, th- I thought kind of encapsulated how Minnesota did not execute in the way they needed to, because there was a very simple ball to Will Trap, who was one of those holding midfielders. And when you have those players, they're there for a reason. They're going to help you get forward while they kind of create behind you. And instead, the pass didn't go to Will Trap, and they lose the ball. And so when you only have 45% of the ball at home, and the lower passing percentage of the two teams, it's, it's not a good situation, especially against a brand new club to the MLS. Uh, when I watched these highlights, I had been drinking quite heavily, not because I was going to watch them just coincidental. But when Reynoso smacked the post at the 31st minute, I already knew the outcome, but I screamed literally <laughs> anyway. And at that giveaway, I had a sound of like, what are you doing? And so both of those happened right after the other and Sydney walked in and was like, are you being physically ill right now? Because (laughs) she's used to my noises more than anyone else. But that was was a lot of emotions and sounds coming out of me watching this team play. And it's just, it's heavy. It's a weight. That's good, man. You got that feel early. You're in. (laughs) There's no going back. You're done. Soccer got you. (laughs) All I need is Minnesota in front of anything, and I will defend (laughs) it until I die. 
then going into the second half, uh, we had a substitution uh, fairly early in the second half where two of the best Minnesota players go off, uh, had disappointing days. Um, uh, Reynoso, as Brady mentioned earlier, was definitely targeted. Um, he got smacked a few times in this game. <laughs> yeah. And <sighs> there was so many frustrating aspects of watching Minnesota try to move the ball around, keep getting blocked. We had late chances and uh, announcers are paid to scream most of the time, but they were even feeling way chance at the 83rd minute throws his body into the defender, puts his body on the line, like a backup quarterback puts his head into the ball. <laughs> no joy. So close. Good save uh, by the goalkeeper. 86th minute, three minutes later, another chance, uh, bad touch uh, by Langstorff. Uh, even watching the highlights, you could tell that they were playing with the intention. They knew that they only had a certain number, uh, certain amount of time left to try and score just couldn't get it done uh, and then Austin really kind of took it over from that point on um, later chances uh, in the 95th minute Reyes uh, hits the post for Austin it really should have been a 2-0 game um, at that point uh, not not great from the loons overall the score I don't feel like reflected um, how poorly parts of this game went for the loons that's probably fair yeah, it should have been a blowout. Based it, on, really yeah. it really should have. It really should have. Ramona Bila looks like he was hungover during that game. He looked slow. I mean, like lethargic slow, really bad. Like me playing softball after I went out for way too many pints the night before. Like really slow. He also had a moment where he got the ball passed to him in the box and there were two defenders directly in front of him and instead of passing it somewhere else or doing anything what he did is huh and he just kicked it right at the shins of one of the defender <laughs> right in front of him i was like what are you doing that just what are you like doing striker yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know i don't know if he's fully fit yet uh he did not look all that great although he's not gonna be a speed guy he's gonna win balls in the air he's gonna be a kind of a center forward target striker type. So he might kind of play like he's hung over until he's bodied you out of the way and there's nothing you can do to stop him. One thing I will say, I, I'm glad that we kind of just let you rant for that second half there. Cause there wasn't too much to add. I will say that Minnesota need to fix their defense. They I love to rant. Yeah. <laughs> they have the second worst expected goals against in the league with 6.07. And that's second only to FC Cincinnati. So that's not good. Yeah. You do need to be able to stop the other team from scoring in order to win, especially when your offense has scored all of one goal. Yep. Yeah. We're hyping up that uh, game between the fire and uh, the loons later this year. It's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be a brawl. <laughs> a, <laughs> the equivalent of a pitching duel. Yes. Where it's like, boy, I hope you like defense and not a lot of scoring because that's it. All right. Let us all put on our learning caps, our analytical minds. Let that left brain wait. Is it left brain that's creative and right brain is analytical, right? Or do I have that backwards? 
I think you're right, but I really should I have a degree it. in psychology. <laughs> but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I have a degree in psychology. Should know it. Don't know it, uh, unfortunately. Anyway, let's all listen up. Let's learn something from Brady. Brady's tactical session where he's going to break down for all of us some of the basic to start off with and eventually more uh, complex concepts of the game of soccer. Yeah, so I just want to introduce some of the things in the game uh, that analysts will use to figure out what's going to happen, what did happen, how do I describe that to people, how do I make this team that I'm working with better, how do I break down the team that I'm playing against, all that kind of thing. I really see this podcast as an avenue to teach this beautiful game that I love so much. And as both of you know, and as anyone who knows me knows, it's one person at a time, baby. I, I want just one person at a time to just fall in love with this game. And uh, that's my plan. So I'll start with the basics and then we'll get more and more detailed as we go together on this podcast. So today I'm going to start with formations because I started talking about that a little bit in our game of the week segment. And this is one of the very first steps for game analysis. So this is what I mean when I'm describing a team's shape on the field. It's also one of the first things you'll hear commentators say and also show you when you watch a game on TV. Uh, the formation describes both where to expect players, but can also kind of reveal a, a coach's idea of how he, he or she wants this team to play. Uh, it's important to note that it's a snapshot of the game. It's most of the time a defensive snapshot and soccer is a game of movement. So formations do not mean everything, uh, but it's a great starting point for breaking it down and what we're going to watch in the game ahead and what the team did in the previous week. Some examples of formations are 4-4-2 that used to be the most popular around the world. Now it's probably the 4-2-3-1. 4-3-3 is also a super popular formation. And then you can get really complicated with it. You can get a 3-4-3 in there or a 5-3-2 or a 3-4-2-1. There's so many numbers. What do they all mean? So let's take a soccer field or like a piece of paper and look at it long ways. The goal you're defending is the one closest to you, and then the goal you're attacking is the furthest away. I'll also use the terms deep versus high, deep meaning closer to your own goal you're defending, and higher meaning closer to the attacking goal. You read formations from back to front. The goalkeeper is always implied. That's the single one. And then say we have a 4-4-2. Four, four, that means we have four defenders, then moving up the field, four midfielders, and then further up the field, two forwards. So something as complicated as a 3-4-2-1, that would mean three defenders, four midfielders, two attacking midfielders, and a single striker. Two coaches may play the same formation and use it totally differently. So just because you're seeing two coaches use the same formation does not mean that they're just going to mirror each other. One coach may do some little wrinkle that the other coach doesn't do. It's part of what makes soccer so beautiful. It makes it moving chess. And then it's also up to the players to adapt on the fly. Oftentimes the soccer truly happens when formations are broken. Either you break it yourself to confuse the defense or throughout movement, you mess up the other team's formation like we discussed in the Austin versus Minnesota game. So yeah, I started pretty basic today. Uh, I wanted just to kind of introduce what the heck I even mean when I start talking about a 4-4-2. 
And then we'll get more specific about the different positions. I think next week, I think that will be our next stop. Thank you, coach Brandon. Just out of curiosity, I know we, we didn't have uh, enough players to run a three, four, two, one, but in our rec league, when we did play soccer, and if anyone wants to discover what it's like to have Brady scream at you for doing something and you don't know what you did wrong, <laughs> then come and join our soccer team. Um, <laughs> what, what formation did we play? I think, I, I don't even remember how many plays we were, we were allowed to have on the field at one time. Uh, six and a goalie. So sevens and we essentially played a two, three, one, which is really what yeah. you end up playing. Everyone plays that same way. Okay. So that's just kind of how it works. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, I look forward to learning more next week. So hey, thank you very absolutely. much. All right. Let's take it over to England in the Premier League. Now, for those of you that don't know, Brady is a Tottenham fan. Yeah, yeah. So Brady, this week, the Hotspurs played Sheffield United and they beat up on them. Uh, four to nil. However, what did you see? Yeah, I just want to run through this really quick because the Spurs are really on the outside looking in as far as any European tournaments. So we'll see. But to, in this game, it was Gareth Bale getting a hat trick. Super fun to see. Uh, Ali ran over after he got it. Ali ran over and did a putting motion. And so the rest of the Spurs kind of came over and did the putting motion to make fun of Bale. It was very cute. Uh, but it was the ideal Spurs fan attack up top. We had Bale, Ali, Son, and then Kane uh, at the point. So that was just fun and it was free. And uh, without Mourinho, it really looked like the Spurs that I recognized, which was more fun to see. Uh, I'm still concerned that Kane, I mean, Bale's alone, so he's gone after this season, and I'm concerned that Kane is also on his way out. So a little worried. We'll see. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does it feel to watch Kane uh, play knowing that he's probably going to be out of there? I mean, and he's so good. Yeah, he really is. I'm going to try and enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Dave, and for those of you that don't know, Dave is an avid Liverpool fan. Um, this week, they were scheduled to play uh, Manchester United, and that game made headline news, but not for uh, the best reason. Yeah, so we got this weird totter pool Liverham podcast going here, but <laughs> I'm going to go into a little bit more depth of what happened in the Liverpool uh, Man U game. And what happened was nothing because the game didn't happen. Um, so basically there has been um, a super league created and we're not going to go into depth on that in this particular show, but it basically, it was going to upend European soccer as it is to make sure only certain teams collect the most money and kind of cut off the rest of the league. It was a huge business move and it failed partially because of how much the fans rejected it. And this game got postponed because the Manu fans really hated it. And they really want the owners, which is the Glazer family to be kicked out of ownership. Only problem is, is that the Glazers own this company completely. So the family purchased their first stake in Manchester United in 2003. It was a very small share. Um, but until, until 2005, where they, uh, purchased the controlling stake, they weren't able to like have enough like sway with the club. So they 
first of all, purchased the controller stake in 2005. And then a few days later, they end up purchasing a 75% share in the club, which actually allows them to delist the club that was on the, yeah, yeah. On the public stock market, which is the London Stock Exchange. And then eventually that led to a buyout about a month later. And just to give you guys some background, they are the owners of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they had that team. They are the people that bought the team earlier in the 90s. They convinced the local government to build a new stadium. And then they ended up getting the uh, Super Bowl in the early 2000s. And as you guys know, uh, Tom Brady wanted to get another one for them again. Tim it's Tim. been a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so John Glazer... Um, was named the vice chairman of the proposed super league that I mentioned earlier. So he was very much involved in it, but I think everybody who joined the super league basically had a vice chairman spot, but the fans just were completely sick of it. They were completely angry. Uh, the teams form, and this brings much joy to me. Like the last <laughs> time they won the premier league was uh, the 2012, 2013 season. Last time they won the champions league was 2008. So while their initial t- takeover was very good, they, they re-signed Sir Alex Ferguson and kept the club together early on, and they were still very successful. Uh, the long-term vision was not great, and they have been kind of in the pits to despair lately. As far as a top club goes, it's not like they've been terrible or getting close to getting relegated, but it hasn't been what the Man U fans have expected, especially in the 90s and the early 2000s. Um Basically what happened this weekend was the fans stormed the stadium. Um, they created a mess. They had, you know, flares and everything. And because of safety reasons, the game was postponed. My they only question all, is they got all the, all yeah. the way in, right? Yeah. They got all the way in only about a hundred fans. They were saying, and I think in general, they were saying like it was around 10,000 fans that were rioting. I don't know if it was a mm. true count, but it, it's kind of hard to tell. It was kind of funny as like a lot of the pundits did agree um, with what was going on. And I think a lot of the pundits do like, I think you're taking, it's so important. The fans and the fans have such a rich history involved in European soccer that you're trying to remove it from them and you're trying to make it like a a much more Americanized version of sport. And I think the Cinderella story dies there, you know, like it's such a beautiful sport the way it is. And as we go on with the show, we'll talk about, why Cinderella stories exist year to year in, in all the different leagues and all the different competitions. Uh, my only question is like, there was some like protests earlier in the season or earlier in the season. And I should say only like a few weeks ago with like Chelsea and Arsenal fans, like, are we going to see a bigger demonstration from Liverpool to kind of show that they're, they're the bigger fans now too. I think this could escalate things much more than people thought because Liverpool fans are very angry as well. And they also have American owners, which are the Fenway Sports Group, the owners of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, And then just kind of a funny side note, um, NFL insider Jay Glazer was getting tweets because the fans (laughs) that aren't real fans were tweeting at him. And basically he called them out for it. It's like, you guys aren't real fans if you're tweeting me. Like, I'm an NFL insider. Don't do that to me. Like, (laughs) wrong family. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's just some craziness going on in the league right now. And uh, I don't have a date quite yet for it, uh, but that's going to be a huge game for Liverpool. Um, the table's looking rough as we're going to kind of go into. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was shocking to watch that. 
I can't remember which game it was, but they interrupted it to show footage of stands inside uh, the Man U stadium um, in there. And it was, you know, uh, they had... It was, I would say it was probably about a hundred of them in there and they had the little uh, security guards in the yellow ponchos or vests standing there and they weren't really doing anything. It was just kind of like, okay, you're in here and you're making your point. Um, but it was just reminiscent of, you know, the, uh, the protests that we had in the United States last year, people are very upset. Um, and obviously this is for sports, not social justice issues, but it just, uh, that's immediately what I thought of there. Um, I also did really enjoy watching one particular gentleman, uh, who was in the stands and, uh, because it's a, it's an EPL stadium, they have broadcast cameras everywhere. So while one of the broadcast cameras is pointed directly at him, he's taking another broadcast camera <laughs> and throwing it out onto the field uh, and he's not wearing a mask or anything. Uh, And yeah, I was watching it like you are definitely going to get arrested for this (laughs) because you are on national television, breaking private property and trespassing in an area that you're not supposed to be in right now. Um, So it was uh, slightly entertaining for me, uh, but I was, I kind of liked seeing fans letting owners know uh, we do not approve of, we do not appreciate what you try to do to our team, having signs that say things like you can buy our team, but you can't buy our soul. Um, it's, obviously it's a huge sport in England. Um, I, I don't want violence. I don't want people to get hurt, but I think they should continue to express how they feel. Absolutely. I think most people agree with that too, that it's just, it's such an integral part of the society and the soccer fan. Like people are okay with them expressing this feeling because it is, it is giving the rich more money and making it a business plan. Let's keep soccer the way it is. It's a beautiful game for a reason. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, other than that, which obviously, as I said, was headline news, um, a lot of other things did happen in the English Premier League this year. Um, big happenings. So, Dave, take it away. Yeah, it so this is kind of where I'm going to hit on some just big games relevant to the final table. Um, real quick, Everton lost to Aston Villa. Um, yeah, which is hilarious. Thank you for ruining our season. Goodbye. That's all I have to say. You're not relevant. Fantastic. Van Dyke forever. Um, Chelsea beat Fulham, which was expected. So they're holding on to fourth. Uh, have a good five-point lead on Tottenham at this point. Um, and West Ham won today. So they're they're slightly behind Chelsea. Uh, and Liverpool have a game in hand. But even with that, they're going to be trailing like Chelsea by, five, by four points. So it's not looking good for my guys right now. Um, as I mentioned, West Ham beat Burnley two to one um, and city actually would have won the EPL this weekend had Liverpool beat Man U in this game that got postponed. So it, it, it's very close to being wrapped up and over as we've known mm-hmm. for months. Um, but the race for the champions league is still on mathematically, but it looks like we kind of know who's going to pull it off at this point. Uh, sw- switching over to Germany, there was no Bundesliga this weekend, but the DFK 
Pokal semis were this weekend. And I only really am interested in it for two reasons. One, I'm a Dortmund fan and they won five nil big game <laughs> Two, uh, RB, Le- RB Leipzig, uh, which is, uh, Tyler, Tyler Adams, the United States men's national team player. Um, they won two to one, um, this weekend as well. So there's going to be a really fun, uh, final on May 13th at 1:45, which is an odd day. I believe it's actually a Thursday. Um, so got to watch a midweek final, unfortunately. So I just want to do one quick Jesse Marsh shout out, shout out, going, moving to Red Bull Leipzig next season. That's nice. pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, so La Liga, um, at this point, Atletico is in first with 76 points. And then Barcelona and Real Madrid are trailing with 74, only four games left. So it's still very tight. Um, and I think we have a game that we're going to mention earlier that's very integral to how this is going to wrap up. Um, Syria, Juventus, Pulse, check time. Uh, Inter Milan just won the Syria, so I'm sure they're furious. It's wild. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. And then there's a super tight race for the Champions League spots. Atalanta, Juventus, and AC Milan are all tied at 69 points. Nice. Nice, dude. Nice. Napoli has 67. Lazio has 64. uh, With a game in hand on all teams previously mentioned. So this is also going to be an absolutely fantastic finish. And and, and then to put the icing on the cake, because EPL is my most favorite league, but unfortunately this is the only league that didn't get really close. We have Lille at 76 points and PSG at 75 points at the top of so there's only three games left there because they kind of start their season earlier. So it's going to be tight. Oh, tight soccer all around, man. I think mm-hmm. obviously man, man city's kind of running away with, uh, the title for, uh, EPL, but there's good. Yeah, they are very good, but there's a duel for some of those other spots. All right. Looking ahead to next week, we're going to take it back to the MLS for this week's Game of the Week. What's it going to be? El Trafico. LAFC versus LA Galaxy. All right. 7 p.m. May 10th. Let's go. Obviously, this is uh, L.A. versus L.A. I am relatively new to the soccer world, so I need a little bit of a history lesson here. Um, Who's the favorite this year? Um, And is there a typical powerhouse between the two of them, like someone who usually comes away with the victory? Uh, I would say this rivalry is a little too early to use the word usually, except these games are usually insane. So if you think back to Ibrahimovic's uh, debut, he had that amazing 60-plus yard goal, uh, 4-3 comeback win, crazy awesome. Historically, the Galaxy are one of the MLS's best teams. LAFC are probably the better team currently, and they've come into the league within the past five years just ready to go with some of the best players in the league. They are really fun to watch. Uh, but there's a saying in soccer that derbies are rarely about form. It's all about who's showing up at that game, who's going to put a shoulder into somebody else's shoulder and take the ball away. So uh, my analysis, expect goals. 
the Alex, LA Galaxy are the third worst in expected goals against. Uh, LAFC are second best in expected assists. So LAFC are going to create a bunch of goals, but you never know what Chicharito is going to do on the Galaxy. So it'll be a fun one. Please watch with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest knocks against soccer as a game or a reason I was hesitant to get into it is because of the lack of scoring. Uh, which can sometimes lead to, if you don't know the sport as well as uh, Brady or Dave, can lead to what can could be considered a boring watch. However, this game, goals, baby. Let's go. Lots mm-hmm. of scoring. Should be a fun one. Absolutely. Our beloved Fire this week are going to be playing Philadelphia on May 8th at noon. Noon kickoff. NFL. Let's go. Nope. Just kidding. MLS. Keep it real. Um, The fire need a victory here. We really need this first W to get the season started off right. Um, What did the fire need to do against Philadelphia to win? What are the keys to victory? Um, Brady, do you know Philadelphia's strengths or weaknesses, areas we can exploit? Yeah, they typically are a homegrown sort of style but their academy is very, very good. So that's not a weakness. That is absolutely a strength. Kind of everyone knows what they're doing as soon as they get into the first team, which is one crazy awesome thing about them. They're kind of pressy. They want to get onto the ball. They want to disrupt what you're doing. Uh, and then they play with sort of a diamond midfield that makes it very hard to play down the middle of the field. So we're going to have to kind of go around them. Uh, it's best to know that beforehand, I guess. A uh, good thing going into this game is their best center mid got a red card, uh, which means that he will not be there. That's Martinez. So that's a good thing for the fire. And maybe we can exploit that. Two to one cool. fire. Ooh. Seconded. I like it. Like the prediction. First W. Yeah, we really do. I'm hoping for it. Other games that are happening this week. Um, We're going to go right over to La Liga, actually. Barcelona and Atletico, May 8th, 9.15 a.m. Dave, this is a big game. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there was a huge game this weekend. Um, Barcelona is trailing Atletico by two points, and they are even with points with Real Madrid, but goal differential puts them slightly behind Real Madrid. So whoever wins this game could have a huge hold on what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Um, And if they both mess up and draw and Real Madrid wins, that could put Real Madrid in the driver's seat, more or less, which is not really expected at this point. Uh, also, any excuse to watch Messi, got to do it. Got to do it. Yes. Uh, I want to make one quick correction. We are previewing our May 10th episode, but the game of the week is on May 8th at yes. 7. Mm-hmm. So we will be back uh, recording next Monday on May 10th, and we'll hopefully get the episode out on that following Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but I just wanted to make that quick correction right away. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, in English Premier League, it's a big week. A lot of important games. First up uh, is Leeds versus Tottenham, uh, May 8th, 6.30 a.m. Central. Uh, I don't, Brad, are you going to get up to watch that one? 
Yes. It's, it's close enough to the end of the season. And also you love soccer that much that, yes. uh, yeah, I, I, I think, problem. <laughs> right. Um, this is, I mean, are you, are, how realistic is your hope for Tottenham to jump up into the top four at this point? Not really hoping for it. You just want to see him play Leeds. Yeah. I want to see them play against Leeds because Leeds is fun to watch. Uh, I also, I just want to see them win out, do what you can and whatever happens happens. And that that's what would make me happy. Uh, I don't, like to, I mean, this is not true. I'm going to just say this out loud. I don't like to root against other teams and I want them to lose. Although I definitely do do that. So (laughs) it's the best part of the season right now. (laughs) (laughs) We also have man city versus Chelsea, uh, May 8th at 1130 AM. We have West Ham versus Everton, May 9th at 1030 AM. (laughs) <laughs> Aston Villa versus Man U at May 9th at 8.05 a.m. Leicester City versus Newcastle, May 7th at 2 p.m. Liverpool versus Southampton, May 8th at 2.15 p.m. Dave, Liverpool should come away with a victory there pretty, pretty handedly, yeah? Uh, you would think. So, <laughs> <laughs> is that the story of Liverpool this year? Is yes, uh, they should win. You'd think. Okay, got it. Uh, in the MLS, a couple other games that you should keep an eye on: Orlando FC versus NYCFC. That's happening May fit uh, May eighth, excuse me, at five p.m. And the Timbers versus the Sounders, Cascadia May 9th Derby, at two p.m. Yes. Going back around the globe, Bundesliga, Dortmund versus RP Leipzig, May 8th at 8.30 a.m. Serie A, Juventus versus AC Milan, May 9th at 1.45 p.m. So much soccer to watch. A lot of soccer to watch. Uh, is, is the EPL, I know MLS is just getting geared up, um, is... EPL is coming to a close. It sounds like a lot of other leagues are as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is kind of closing oh, yeah. down time, closing time. We definitely yeah. don't have the rights. Well, to that. we got the euros coming up. This is under, too, under seven seconds. Yes, it was. That's true. Also, I'm singing off key. So they probably wouldn't even recognize what it is. <laughs> yeah. A lot of really good soccer to watch. Keep it tuned in. It's going to be a good show next week. Got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, a lot of sport. Sport. Whew. That was plenty. Um, any last closing thoughts from you boys? Anything you need to get off yeah. your chest? Yeah, quick shout out to Nick, Tim, and Mike. Uh, thank you guys for the support. Your feedback kept us going, and we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it. I think that's about it, though. For sure. I think we're all wrapped up. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. As always, greatly appreciate the support. Um, Please reach out to us. Email us, windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know what you want to hear more of. If you want to hear 
Brady, talk more analyses, more numbers. Um, let us know. If you want Dave to bear his soul on how Liverpool ruins his life at times and other and times, will. it's the best part of his life. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about Minnesota, where I recommend that you vacation up north, let me know. I'll do that for hours on end. Again, our email is windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Brad, if people want to reach out to you, they got questions about stats. They say, I see these numbers. How do I break this down? What do I do with it? Where can they reach you? My Twitter is at statsbro. It's not an elite Twitter handle, but I'm just going to go with it for now. <laughs> I think it is elite it is among elite. the elite. That's pretty elite. <laughs> That's good. Do you even stats, bro? Brady does. I, I do. Yeah. Got it trending. <laughs> and Dave, if people want to reach out to you, where can they reach you? I am at WCW Dave, Windy City Wingers Dave. So nice. You nice. can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Ooh. Double attack. Excellent. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you have a fantastic week. Tune in next week. We got plenty more breakdown of all things soccer coming right at you.